Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Well, good evening. Happy Monday. I'm Dr. Gina, and this is Primetime. Have you noticed a disturbing number of people walking by themselves outdoors while wearing a mask, or worse, driving in a car by themselves wearing a mask, or the worst one of all, I happen to live in Florida. Sorry for those of you in igloos and frozen compounds having to hear this right now, but the folks who are driving boats in the open air by themselves wearing masks on their boats alone in the open ocean. I get, I get personally concerned <laughs> for those people. Even those people who have already had COVID who are still wearing a mask as if they're going to contract COVID again. People are worried and they're freaked out actually and a lot of this is from misinformation we've heard the fear mongers for over a year now that if you get covid you're gonna die and even if you are one of the lucky ones who recover you're gonna get it again and again and again and you're gonna give it to others who are gonna die and if you don't get the u.s covid or the china virus you're gonna get the south african covid in the france covid in the it's gonna come from every state we're gonna have to shut down five thousand times because you're gonna get 50 different versions of it and it's getting really old and really paranoid and it's beginning to sound like a lot of conspiracy theories that are just uh, culminating into what is becoming one big paranoid march toward insanity but today over at market watch they report that only there are less than 50 people total that have been known to have contracted covid twice and that's not just in this country that number is worldwide here, these numbers, folks, 50 people worldwide have gotten COVID twice, and that's probably because they had an extremely mild version the first time, and then so when they got it the second time, they hadn't fully developed the antibodies. If you had a good, strong case, according to my doctor, if you had a good, strong case, the chances of you get it again, getting it again are extraordinarily slim. You have a much better chance of wrecking your car on your way to work. So let that sink in as you remember the scare tactics from politicians over the past year and try to live a normal life. And if this whole thing of these people trying to scare you into shutting down your business, shutting off your life, keeping you away from your loved ones, letting your loved ones die alone in hospitals and nursing homes, canceling your Christmases, if that doesn't tick you off enough, I want to remind you that we are about three weeks away from the one-year anniversary of two weeks to stop the spread. Yeah, that's right. Down here in Florida, two women ages 34 and 44 are being skewered in the press because they got dressed as grannies to get the COVID vaccine because it's only available to the elderly at this point. But who could blame these women? They've probably been watching the mainstream media tell them that they're going to contract COVID at any given moment, and they and their families are going to die. And I'm sure these women can be spotted outdoors by themselves or on boats somewhere alone wearing masks, or walking in fear that today is going to be their last day if they don't get that vaccine. These women did cut the line, and I agree, that's wrong. There's a lot of wrong going around, like media reporting data that isn't true that we've shown on this show every single night about how mask mandates 
actually cause COVID rates to increase. The politicians and the media incite the fear to get the viewers and the, um, they amass the power and then they are the ones to blame, not the people reacting. We are told that we may have to social distance and wear masks forever because the pandemic is here to stay and it's so deadly that it's gonna take your life when you least expect it. Now, one of my good friends here, Harry, you'll see him on live from Studio 6B. He was on a plane today and he said, told me something very scary. He said that he saw lots of the 20 year old set wearing two or more masks and then wearing a, a visor thing over the front of it, right? So this is like times three. At a certain point, you're asphyxiating yourself and I'm not even kidding. Breathing that CO2 has impact too. I've asked my ND friends about this and this is getting frightening, folks. And it's not even to mention, if you look at my Twitter line today, for those of you who can still get on Twitter, you haven't been canceled there yet, the seagulls are getting tangled in the masks. The turtles, the sea turtles, I've seen sea turtles with masks uh, twisted around their little swimming paddle paws things. What do you call it when it's a swimming turtle? Their little, I don't know what you call it, flippers. I don't know. But I've seen it. And the masks pile up on the beach in front of my house every single day. Now, over the weekend on the Sunday show, we had the so-called experts who told us that we could all get COVID multiple times, telling us that we were never going to reach herd immunity. But then over at the San Francisco Chronicle, the headline there, a little less grim. It says it might be years before that state reaches herd immunity and gets back to normal. But there's a little glimmer of hope. One expert says we could reach herd immunity by April. And actually, the number from original COVID is down 77%. That would actually qualify as herd immunity. So who do you believe? Because everybody can't be right. So coming up a little later in the show, we're going to examine all of these statistics and try to get down to the real truth of it all. And you re may remember that last week I announced here on the show that New York Governor Andrew Cuomo doesn't have very many friends le left, but we did find one. So before I tell you who that is, we're going to go over that story one more time again. First, first, I got to get my breath here. <laughs> Governor Cuomo was praised in the media as the greatest leader in the face of COVID that the world has ever known. That is the Emmy award winning Cuomo. He gave daily press conferences lecturing New Yorkers on why they should not see their families, why they should not go to religious services, why they should close their businesses and just quit living life, except for the ones that he said should keep living, that he deemed essential. And he said that, uh, New Yorkers should never leave their homes. And he said why everyone should wear masks all day, every day, even alone, between bites, two or three masks, five masks, he didn't care. And then Cuomo received that Emmy for his incredible performances. And that's what they were, folks. Those were performances. And all the while, Cuomo ordered those COVID patients to be admitted into nursing homes. Not funny. And recently, Cuomo was busted cooking the books on the COVID numbers when his top aide in his office, Melissa DeRosa, admitted that they covered up the real COVID death numbers in nursing homes. And most recently, AOC and other Democrats in his state have been turning on him. Even AOC slammed. Other Democrats called other elected officials and threatened them saying he would destroy them. I'm sorry, Cuomo did that. I don't know why I said it like that. Maybe it was in my prompter. Let's blame my producer. Cuomo is just a despicable human being when you get right down to it because who behaves this way? There are dead people in his tracks 
and he still won't apologize. But as I said, Cuomo does still have one friend, or actually two, Joe Biden and his press secretary, Jen Circleback Saki. Check it out. Uh, last spring, President Biden cited Andrew Cuomo as the gold standard uh, for leadership during the pandemic. Take a listen. Your governor of New York's done one hell of a job. He, I think he's, he's sort of the gold standard. So does President Biden still consider Andrew Cuomo the gold standard when it comes to leadership on the pandemic? Well, John, we work with Governor Cuomo just like we work with governors across the country. He's also chair of the NGA. So uh, he plays an important role. All right, but Jen, my question was, does President Biden still believe that Andrew Cuomo is the gold standard, represents the gold standard on leadership during this pandemic? Just a yes or no. Does he well, still John, him the, the, gold the president, the, pre the president, uh, well, it doesn't always have to be a yes or no answer, John. I think the president is focused on his goal, his objectives as president of the United States. Just let her circle back with you. Poor Jen Psaki, she just can't bring herself to answer a question, even the easiest of all questions. The softballs don't get much easier than that, Jen. But she couldn't do it. She couldn't criticize Cuomo. Maybe they can circle back with her again next week and ask again. But now, it's time for us to circle around the country to our hosts and correspondents around America. We're going to start in Washington, D.C. with the host of Just the News AM, Carrie Sheffield. Carrie, what are you working on today? Hey there, Dr. Gina. I want to give you an update on some controversies around Joe Biden's cabinet picks. First, on the issue of Office of Management and Budget Director, another senator has come out against Neera Tanden. This time it's a Republican, Senator Susan Collins from Maine. She says that Neera Tanden has neither the experience nor the temperament to lead this critical agency. Her past actions have demonstrated exactly the kind of animosity that President Biden has pledged to transcend. Now, Senator Collins is upset because of, among other things, some tweets. She had deleted a thousand tweets, Neera Tanden did, and she said that that helps reduce transparency and reduce accountability for government officials. She doesn't like it. Not to mention Neera Tanden directly insulted Collins herself. This comes on the heels also of Chuck Schumer scrambling to get votes for her for Neera Tanden. Because on Friday, a Democrat, Senator Joe Manchin from West Virginia, said he would block the nomination as well, that he would vote against it. So there's a lot of questions about this. And Neera Tanden is very close with Biden's chief of staff, so this would be a disappointment, uh, a real slap on the wrist for Biden. Also, Biden's nominee for the Interior Department failed to report that she had some casino income on her congressional ethics report. So her House ethics report she did not disclose that she had $16,000 in a casino salary, and that made up more than a third of her income in 2018. So this is a, a big chunk of her salary, and the fact that she didn't disclose it is raising a lot of red flags. We'll see maybe what else she might not have disclosed. Back to you, Dr. Gina. Oh, thanks a lot, Carrie. I can't even imagine if those had been uh, some of Donald Trump's picks. But we'll continue to watch as uh, these picks continue to get more and more controversial. Let's head over to Real America's Voice Headquarters in Denver, Colorado. Jessica Rivera is there. Jessica, what do you have for us today? Well, Dr. Gina, Texans are finally able to start taking inventory of the death and devastation and damage left behind by last week's unprecedented freezing weather. And with that comes more and more questions of what really happened and why are Texans now receiving sky-high electricity bills? 
In my research that I've done, I've learned that on February 12th, before the storm hit, Texas Governor Greg Abbott declared a state disaster. Uh, he did that due to the imminent threat of the freezing temperatures that were on their way into the state. Two days later, on February 14th, the energy company Electric Reliability Council of Texas, also known as ERCOT, issued conservation notices to their customers in regards to the emergency situation hitting their system at that time. ERCOT also asked the Department of Energy to authorize the usage needed for the emergency demand and for permission to forgo all federal environmental green energy standards. In response to ERCOT's request, the Biden administration's Energy Department put out order number 202-211, which quote unquote approved ERCOT's request, but said to throttle the energy output in order to still comply with federal energy standards, and which also said that before ERCOT could push their grid's power to its max, they had to first use all other resources to import the power needed at a base price of no lower than $1,500 per megawatt hour. So in layman's terms, Biden's energy department let Americans freeze to death literally in order to prevent pollution. And this is also why electricity bills are coming in at such astronomical rates, because ERCOT is splitting the high cost with their customers that they also had to pay because that's what the feds told them to do. President Biden has since declared a state of emergency for Texas, so they have access now to federal money to recover. And Dr. Gina, how this all ends is anyone's guess, but if this is how this disaster actually unfolded and is found to be step-by-step, step, many believe Governor Abbott, ERCOT, the Department of Energy, and Biden are all liable for the unnecessary deaths of many Americans there in Texas. And it's all because no one had the mind or the wherewithal to say, you know what, let's do what we have to do for the American people to keep them alive and deal with getting in trouble for pollution later. Nobody had the just wherewithal to just make an adult critical thinking decision that should have been simple for any of them to make. It seems like the, bas the buck was just passed. Jessica, this is heartbreaking. How are the people of Texas reacting to this news? Well, I know a lot of them that have gotten these skyrocket bills are saying, you know, we're in a state of emergency. Price gouging is illegal, and it's true. Price gouging is illegal, and really, ERCOT should really think about it and think, does it make sense to send this type of bill to any of their customers, no matter how much they have to pay for it? It should be something that maybe should, you know, they should take up with the federal government, since the federal government's the ones that gave them the direction. But when it comes to price gouging, it all Technically, it depends on when that emergency disaster was declared because anything before that can be considered a reasonable cost for a company. I mean, and price gouging is one thing. Live, lives lost, you can't put a price on that, no. Jessica. And it just seems like, you know, whether it's the COVID emergency and, and forcing people into nursing homes and taking their lives that way, or now this Texas emergency, when it's done in the name of a crisis, the politicians get away with it. And that's why I so appreciate you bringing these stories to us early, really before the rest of the media is reporting them. Jessica, thank you so much for this. You're welcome. And now back over to Real America's Voice in Washington, D.C. studios, RAV correspondent Dylan Johnson. Dylan, you've been watching the puff pieces come out about the Biden administration. Kind of pathetic. What have you got there? Well, look, I mean, thanks to the courageous journalist of the left, we now know that Joe Biden likes long walks on the beach. He likes to have a nice warm <laughs> campfire in the Oval Office after a long day of work. And he likes to be tucked into bed uh, before 8 p.m. But you know what is 
really troubling is what's not in those column inches. What we don't know, what we're not being reported, that Joe Biden took 29 days to talk to the prime minister of one of America's greatest allies, Israel. You know, I think we're not covering the scandal that we've hit Real America's Voice have been covering for since the beginning, that Andrew Cuomo has been cooking the books, as you mentioned previously, uh, when it comes to COVID deaths in nursing homes in New York. So I think President Trump, after we saw the kind of coverage he received for three full years, and to contrast that with what we're seeing now, it, it's, it's embarrassing for the liberal media. I mean, Dylan, the dogs, the ice cream, uh, the, the, the fluff photos that we see on Biden, and the lack of substantive questions that are ever allowed uh, to be put to him. Um, yeah. There's just zero criticism of this administration and so many questions, really, when you get down to his nominees, uh, when you get down to his international dealings, when you get down to his mental state. None of those kinds of questions. Right. His medical condition is, is basically unknown. Um, do you think that, I mean, are you, do you ever, when you talk to folks on the ground there, especially the press sort, um, is, there, is there a frustration even among the more left-leaning press there? Look, I don't think there's any accountability within the mainstream media. I mean, I worked in the governor's office of Missouri previously, and I know that if Governor Greitens in Missouri had handled the COVID, you know, situation that the same exact way that Andrew Cuomo did, uh, the media coverage would be a tale of two medias. I mean, it's night and day difference between the standards and uh, the way they treat the conservatives versus the way they treat their allies in the left. Absolutely. All right, Dylan. Well, we appreciate you reporting it anyway. Thank you so much. Yeah, no problem. All right, coming up, we're going to tell you about the new way that really bad people are making a whole lot of money. It's disgusting, it's unbelievable, and Bernie Carrick is here to tell you about it. Up next, more Dr. Gina Primetime, right after this. Stick around. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. And welcome back to Dr. Gina Primetime. So glad you are with us. There is a brand new and growing industry in America, and even though it is very immoral, it is very legal. First, you find a wealthy elderly person, and then you take their money. And it is all, believe it or not, within the law. It's similar to what we've seen with the Free Britney hashtag floating around on social media. Britney Spears amassed a huge fortune at a very young age. Her estranged father now controls her estate and pays pays himself about $1.2 million a year to handle her affairs for her as her court-appointed guardian. And that may sound like something that only happens to celebrities, but it could happen to you or your mother or your grandmother. Now imagine a scenario where you hire caregivers to help with your parent or your grandparent who needs help at home as they're getting older. Now these caregivers that you have hired go to a judge and they have your family member declared incompetent, and they name you and your siblings a threat. Now, the court-appointed guardian controls everything. An estimated 1.5 million adults are under the care of guardians, and those people control approximately 
$273 billion in assets. And former New York City Police Commissioner Bernie Carrick is here, along with the Executive Director of CEAR CARE, Rick Black. Thanks to both of you for being here with me tonight. Now, Commissioner, how did stealing from the elderly become such big business in America? Well, I think it's become big business because nobody knows about it. Nobody pays any attention to it. And Rick can talk on this one specific issue more but I, I have to tell you, as somebody that was in law enforcement for 30, 35 years, I only became aware of it when I was asked by a woman, an elderly woman by the name of Joanne Bashinsky in Birmingham, Alabama, to come in and look at what the, the city and the state there was doing to her um, about uh, probably a month after I actually met her. She passed away, um, but I have to tell you, uh, Gina, this, it stunned me. It baffled me, and it scared the hell out of me to listen to her and what happened to her. And basically, she had two employees. She fired. The next day, they went into court. They told the court that she had dementia, and within, uh, within weeks, those two employees were now responsible for everything uh, she owned, and she was extremely, extremely wealthy. Um, so it's uh, it was stunning to learn, to hear, but what's more stunning is that it's happening all over this country, and people aren't paying attention to it. And for sake of full disclosure, I should say that I am familiar with that family. Um, I got my, my broadcasting start in Birmingham, Alabama, and that family um, are friends of mine, and that's how I know about this issue as well. But it's not isolated to this family. This is happening all over the country, Rick, and the more it happens, sadly, the more copycat examples there are. Rick, there are a lot of Americans at risk of this happening to them. Tell us about that. Yeah, to your, to your lead-in, we estimate that there's 1.5 million vulnerable adults under guardianship or conservatorship in the country. Um, it gets very little oversight to Bernie's point. It's all handled within a civil court, equity court environment. Uh, I derisively call that the family squabbles court because it gets very little funding and very little oversight. And in that vacuum of oversight is where predatory attorneys have learned over the last 50 years, it's pretty lucrative ability to make money through guardianship, conservatorship, trust, and other sundry probate frauds. Um, it doesn't happen in every case. If it did, law enforcement folks like Bernie in his previous role and, and others around the country would engage. But it happens at small enough level um, that it's been really hidden from the public. Most victims don't speak out because they're truly vulnerable and have lost that ability to fight back. And most family members don't know that they're being scammed by the predatory legal community. The Joanne Bashinsky case creates a unique opportunity for activists like myself, as well as Brad Lund, the grandson of Walt Disney, Britney Spears and her troubles, because it's putting a face on this and really elevating it so the public sees it for what it is. Commissioner, unfortunately, a lot of families, um, once their loved one has passed on, they, they, they're just, they're tired. <laughs> 
they've spent a lot of time and money. They're emotionally exhausted. Um, certainly that is the case with Mrs. Bishinsky's uh, family as well, but they decided they're going to fight. Um, and that's a little bit unusual, but because most families don't fight, a lot of these cases just get swept underneath the rug and it leaves this a whole array of people out there vulnerable to this to continue to happen. So is there um, a way that you know of that um, this can be stopped? Is there a movement to stop this? Tell us about that. Well, I think the biggest movement, one of the biggest movements to stop it is, is Rick Black and, and Sear and, uh, and what they're doing, bringing light to it, taking it to U.S. attorneys, taking it to the Justice Department, local prosecutors, and giving them cases um, where this stuff is overwhelming. In the Bashinsky case, I have to tell you, when I, I personally met with her, I sat with her for four hours after reading a bunch of documents and hearing how she had dementia. And I was stunned to sit in a room with her and realize that she didn't have dementia at all. She was extremely, uh, you know, bright. She was engaging. She was knowledgeable. She remembered dates and times and places and, you know, docket numbers, court dates, things that had happened to her. Um, there was no dementia in this woman. And I was, uh, I was taken back by the fact that once I had a team of investigators start looking at this, the same judge and the same guardian um, was involved in a number of these cases, the same types of cases with other family members that have come forward to say, look, they're depleting her, you know, her, uh, their, their loved one's uh, financial assets. They've, they've sold their property that, you know, they have them in a nursing home. One woman died in a nursing home. These are all things that my guys will be looking at. But I'll tell you something, I am, uh, I'm dumbfounded at the fact that this stuff is happening all over the country and there's very little attention on it. So, so Rick, what, what can families do? Where can they go if they wanna prevent this happening to them? And, uh, and, and how can people, if they're just concerned citizens who want to get involved and, and to be helpful so that this doesn't happen to other people because this is this is one of the most tragic things you can think of. This is heartbreaking. Everyone who knows this story about what happened to Ms. B Mrs. Brzezinski, um, they cry when they hear the story. It really is heartbreaking. No, it is. No, it is. And there's about 10,000 er new victims every year and it's growing. Um, our guidance is this, keep your loved ones close. Distance creates opportunities for predators. Talk to them, preferably see them every week, talk to them every couple of days, particularly when they're alone. Because wealthy people who are alone, as Mrs. Spashinsky was the case, um, they're easily targeted and often by those that have the greatest access to them. So close the distance, number one. Secondly, get those critical estate documents executed, notarized, that assign an agent as your durable power of attorney holder, preferably a backup as well, and the healthcare advance directive. Those two documents are in fact today more important than your will, because these people are gonna make their move while you're still alive, preferably while you're alone or vulnerable due to illness or injury. So close the distance, get the documents signed, and most importantly, 
give those documents to a trusted loved one, a legitimate protector who, if you get targeted, will come to your aid. Because the most important thing any family member can do, once you've been introduced into the probate or equity court environment, is to fight for your rights. And that means forcing a judge to uphold the law. And you know, doing that as a common citizen, it's like sending a little leaguer into an NFL field. If they don't really understand what their rights are and, and are a good fighter, they're gonna lose. And that's really what's been going on the last 50 years in this country. We use a phrase, coined a phrase, Dr. Gina, to define what goes on, estate trafficking. These are predators who recognize they can traffic an estate at pennies on the dollar to acquire it and distribute it to unintended third parties. And it is a crime, it is embezzlement, it is extortion, it is exploitation, it is theft. Federally, it's fraud, wire, bank, mail fraud. But until we get the, the criminal elements and that material evidence elevated, it's gonna be tough to get true law enforcement to engage. We hope that's changing. What we do know is the environment that creates the opportunity for fraud has no interest in cleaning it up as we've seen under Judge Alan King in Jefferson County, Alabama. Last question to you, Commissioner. What are the chances that these bad players in Birmingham, Alabama that did this to Mrs. Bashinsky are punished? Well, I think that's what, that's what we're looking at now. Um, we're looking at the judge. We're looking at the guardian. We're looking at a number of lawyers. And it's, it's almost like an incestuous group of people that's involved. And I can tell you they're involved in a number of cases. Um, I don't want to get into the investigation, but I think the evidence is overwhelming. And at some point, we'll be taking that evidence and turning it over to DOJ Washington or, uh, or the U.S. Attorney in Alabama. Both of you, Commissioner Bernie Carrick, Rick Black from the Center for Estate Administration Reform. The website, everyone go here. Make sure that you're familiar with this issue. Um, be helpful if you can. Make sure that your loved ones are protected. It's C-E-A-R Justice, C-E-A-R Justice, C-E-A-R Justice.org is the website. And uh, we will keep you apprised of what happens in this particular case, and we'll stay on this and make sure that... Uh, justice is done here and that people are aware. Thank you both so much for being with us and bringing this issue that is largely unknown to our attention. Thank Thanks, you. Gina. All right, coming up, the COVID experts all over the place on numbers. Are we in herd immunity? Will we ever reach it? Will we be marrying, wearing masks until, you know, 2030? Who knows? We're going to wade through all of this coming up next. Stay right where you are. More Dr. Gina Prime time right after this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And welcome back to Dr. Gina Prime Time. Good to have you with us. Now, remember, if you are watching us on Real America's Voice, make sure you check out our podcast, justthenews.com. Click on the little hamburger up in the corner, go to podcasts, 
scroll down to you see my face. You can find my podcast there. And also, if you're listening on the podcast, make sure you check us out. RAD TV, Real America's Voice, wherever you have Dish, Pluto, Roku, or wherever you have Glass, smartphone, or whatever. We're there every night, 7 p.m. Eastern, Monday through Friday. Now, the experts have all come together to decisively conclude that we will either reach herd immunity from COVID in the next few months, the next few years, or never, just like they've concluded that one mask, two masks, no masks, 25 masks, we don't really know. One of these options is going to conclusively protect you from COVID. But the bottom line is, doesn't seem like they know. This weekend, the former head of the FDA did the Sunday morning news shows, and he announced that the U.S. may never reach full herd immunity. So does that mean we just say shut down wearing masks forever? One expert by the name of Dr. Marty McCarry really made some headlines over the weekend when he said that uh, we are on the verge right now of reaching herd immunity against the COVID-19 virus. So who is right? Well, the man with all the answers, a molecular biologist, PhD, Dr. Tom Borelli. Good to see you, Tom. Tom, thanks for being with us. Tom, tell us who's right. Uh, you know, 77% we're down on COVID cases from the very beginning. What do we need? What does it need to be called for us to get to where we are at herd immunity? Well, Dr. Gina, first of all, thanks for having me. And I, I think the really headline here is that there's been a 77 drop in infections in just six weeks. Now, which six weeks are we talking about? We're really talking about winter. And we would expect the coronavirus like it did last year to be really rapidly uh, being transmitted you know, while people are indoors. But suddenly there's this you know, sudden drop that I don't think anybody predicted and the, the professor from uh, John Hopkins uh, University, uh, he, he is speculating, he has a hypothesis that there is a lot more natural immunity out there in the United States because people have, eat, have already gotten the virus and may have never known it. And he's also saying that when, even when they test for the antibodies, they're not picking up what they call T-cell immunity, which is a memory immunity. So the bottom line is, he is speculating that a lot more people have been infected, therefore they are immune because they have the antibodies. And then when you throw on top the people who are being vaccinated, he has the number of people who have either been vaccinated or have already had the uh, virus and now immune, almost like to 70%, which is very close to a number where you would expect to have herd immunity. Now, herd immunity is when so many people have uh, a natural immunity or a vaccinated immunity that the virus can't spread to people who really are vulnerable. So it's kind of the herd effect. So this is where we are. I think it's actually very good news. I think it's surprising and caught a lot of people by surprise, but the 77% drop in six weeks, I mean, that's significant and that's real. Now they're trying to explain it, but herd immunity is one way to explain that. Tom, you know, there's a lot of, there are a lot of factors that the experts in the media don't seem to want to report. For example, that uh, a graph that we've showed many, many times, and I don't know if we have it right now, but I can explain it pretty easily, uh, that demonstrates that all the recent data says that where mask mandates are instituted and implemented, um, ma the numbers of COVID actually go up. They're a little higher. Where ma and this is comparing Florida with, I believe, New York and California, um, where, you know, there are other factors, though, that should figure into that, too. For example, 
Um, Florida is a, a more homogeneously elderly um, population than Florida or New York. So uh, I'm, I'm sorry, than California or New York. So you would think that those numbers would be a little higher, that deaths would be a little higher, when in fact they are not. Florida has remained open the whole time, so you would think again that those numbers would be a little higher when in fact they're not. Um, and so these, these kinds of uh, trends and numbers and extenuating circumstances that you as a molecular biologist, me with a PhD, uh, you know, just having done research my whole life as well, we would normally be figuring in some of these um, extenuating circumstances, but it seems like the experts don't want to figure those things in. They don't want to look at the real data, and they don't want to get down to whether, um, for example, masks actually do work and whether or not we are actually in a stage of herd immunity so that we can stop closing businesses and stop mandating masks. Well, Dr. Jean, you raise a really good point, and I think really the headline for what you just described is science these days is terribly politicized. It is so politicized that even in an article that the doctor uh, published in the Wall Street Journal, he made a reference that some people believe this herd immunity, but he suggested they're afraid to talk about it. It wasn't that long ago, remember when President Trump said hydroxychloroquine might work? Anybody who mentioned that drug was, was online was, taking off, was taken offline. Uh, in social media. So it's really, really politicized. And that's really what's really harming, I think, getting to the, the bottom line of what's really going on. And I think there's going to be huge, you know, downsides to this whole COVID thing, in addition to the, you know, the un unbelievable loss of life, the 500,000, I think we're at, I think it's going to be a loss of the credibility of science. And I think the amazing damage we're doing to young people with respect to uh, you know, children being trapped at home, maybe with abusive parents, the rise in alcoholism, uh, I think in adults and young, young adults as well. So this is, you know, the long-term consequences of what the government mandates have been are going to go on far, far longer than we really anticipate. Down to it, it really makes the argument, doesn't it, that this is more about control. And we do have that graph. Uh, one is comparing Florida with some other states, and one is comparing Florida against itself with mask mandates. We said all along, here's the Florida counties one. Um, when the mask mandates are removed, you can see that the numbers of COVID uh, cases uh, per 3 million are definitely lower. Um, this is comparing Florida with itself. So this would seem to be a pretty, pretty plain, straight-up uh, comparison. But, Tom, is, is there any other argument to make as somebody who's known and addressed data your whole entire life than control when this is the kind of data that's coming out of comparing oranges to oranges, basically. No, you're absolutely right. And the problem is it's, it's really hard getting people to talk about these issues honestly. I mean, it's very difficult with respect to masks. It's very difficult to do a mask study, so to speak. I think the last uh, mask study that maybe suggested two masks was used with mannequins. But Dr. Gene, just use your own eyes when you're walking around outside, maybe not in Florida, maybe there's not that many mask wearers, but up here in Connecticut, if you walk into your local supermarket, yes, people are wearing masks, but it's not covering their nose. <laughs> My wife yeah. didn't even, Borelli and I, we just went to a car dealership. You know, the, every, the, all everybody's wearing masks, but most of them, it's under their nose. So it's, you know, it, in theory, it's something, but I think you, you could try, but I think it really is more about control and I think that's why it's going to be so hard getting this 
uh, herd immunity argument out because the government now is all in on vaccinations. And trust me, I'm for vaccinations. But they're probably afraid if people believe that herd immunity is here, they're not going to get the shot. So I think there's a lot of social engineering going mm. on here. And I think, you know, again, you have to look at you know, some of the really horrendous states like New York, ne right next to me here. Well, I'm in Connecticut where Governor Cuomo has totally blown it. He's lied, right. he's manipulated and at a massive loss of life. And Tom, here in Florida, two women skipped in line to get the COVID vaccine. So apparently there's still quite a demand. They dressed as grannies to look old enough to qualify for getting it. Tom, you might say it takes a lot of courage or actually fear of death, I guess, to attempt fraud like that. So they must have had a lot of fear to push them to do something like that. They were so afraid of death from COVID, they risked public embarrassment and possible imprisonment for this. Yeah, and I guess they weren't, uh, I, I think I read they were in their 40s and maybe even younger. So yeah. it just look, COVID, one thing about COVID is it is it is really a really potential disease with a horrible outcome like death uh, in people who are older. Uh, the last time I looked, it was like 80% of the deaths are of people over 65. And then it goes mm -hmm. steeper from there. It's a real hockey stick. The older you are, the far more you're at risk. And that's why I think your governor, DeSantis, in Florida did an amazing job. The first thing he did was try to protect the elderly while Cuomo was putting COVID-positive patients into nursing homes. Now, that's a case control study right there. Right. That is. That is. Yes. Well, I can tell you that when, uh, when Governor DeSantis walks just about anywhere in Florida, he gets a standing ovation. Floridians are very happy that uh, we are not held to those mask standards and that uh, we can go out to dinner and not be breathing our own carbon <laughs> CO2 and that we can uh, not have to, you know, eat in bizarre situations and that our businesses here are thriving. So I can tell you that uh, he's very popular here in Florida and some other governors might want to follow suit. Tom Borelli, thank you so much for your, uh, I love your wisdom on this and that you are a molecular biologist and can speak to these sorts of studies with real authority. Thank you for that. Thank you, Dr. Gina. Coming up, we have a cancel culture update for you. You won't believe who the cancel mob is after now. We're going to tell you about it up next. More Dr. Gina primetime. Stick around. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome back to Dr. Gina Primetime. It's time for another cancel culture segment. Now, the cancel mob stopped short of totally canceling the Muppets on Disney Plus platform, but they did slap a warning label on the show. The Daily Caller headline reads like this. Disney Plus puts warning label ahead of the Muppet Show episodes and cites negative depictions. It says the Muppets negatively depict some cultures, and that could be harmful for children. Yeah, well, here with me now to discuss New York City-based radio talk show host Kevin McCullough. Kevin, thanks for being with us tonight. Good to see you. Um, you're a dad. You've got kids. Your wife's under the weather. You're making a little dinner for him there. You just told me on the break. Uh, you're going to let your kids, uh, you're going you're gonna to cancel, cancel the Muppets for your kids because it's too uh, racist? I, I Well, <laughs> 
I, I think it would be more speciesist, wouldn't it be, if you were gonna, you know, like, is it is it the is it the interspecies marriage issue that we're having between, you know, Kermit the Frog, and uh, Miss Piggy? But uh, I, I can't really wrap my head around this one, Gina. I've, there's lots of things that you can easily point to and go, okay, well maybe that's something that couldn't really be uh, misunderstood or whatever. On this, I just this is just beyond beyond, and I. I, I kind of like lost curiosity once when, when you start coming after Kermit the Frog, there's just too much to even fathom at that point in terms of how far cancel culture is reaching. I mean, we have, I, I just, I, it's mind boggling to me. We have human trafficking. We have uh, all sorts of sexual crimes being committed against children in our country. We have things to really worry about for children. And I can't for the life of me imagine that the biggest thing that anybody could find to worry about is what the Muppets are doing. But anyway, in your city, Mayor de Blasio is uh, trying to cancel fun in Central Park. He tried to shut down the ice rinks early, and uh, he was doing that to target President Trump, whose organization, he's not fooling anyone, by the way, because President Trump's organization runs the ice rinks. A pretty dirty trick, you know, and ice skating's outdoor. People, it's one of the few things you can actually do in New York City. Um, but again, not worrying about hurting the kids, just trying to hurt Trump and not really caring who gets hurt in the process. Not cool. Be, beyond that, uh, not, not even able to hurt Trump because Trump's no longer associated with the corporation that uh, had the agreement with the city. So it's kind of counterproductive and it's very goals. But beyond that, let me tell you how bad this is, Gina. In order to get out of this contract, which Trump had smartly negotiated many, many years into the future, I think there's still five years left on the deal, something like that. The city would have to pay Trump, Inc., all of the money that would be due under that contract or whatever the escape clause would, would require to be paid. Then they would have to go out and find a different vendor to supply the same services that Trump, Inc. was supplying. So in Mayor de Blasio's <clears throat> esteemed wisdom, his plan would have had the city, which is already running a deficit, in a state which is already running a deficit, which is begging the federal government for a bailout to cover all of the deficits. It would have to, in that city, pay twice the amount of money for the same services and likely more than they had been paying before just to keep the rink open. This is this is what identity and, and vengeance politics brings about. And this is why Democrats, they're, they're just, they're, there's no words. You, you, they, they literally would rather you pay twice as much, uh, of course, when it's your money, uh, and have the same amount of services than to just keep your contract yeah. that you originally made. Well, I know since you can't watch the Muppets anymore, you always watch Saturday Night Live every Saturday. And uh, Saturday Night Live over the weekend was blasted for Shh, making an anti-Semitic joke. <laughs> uh, check out this joke. Israel is reporting that they vaccinated half of their population. And I'm going to guess it's the Jewish half. <laughs> there he goes, Michael Che, the number one race-based comedian going to the race card. All right, Kevin, thanks for being here. And thanks to you for being here. Hug your children. Love your God. You go boldly now and live the truth. Good night, everybody.